Good afternoon. This is Cameron. I uh, wanted to go over today some of the prompts for our assignment seven and the different management levels of strategic communication that we will be encountering in our professional experiences. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um, go ahead and taking a look at a, at a pre-current event and one that I'll be using uh, throughout this entire podcast of Sony B is the example of the NCAA and the NIL or the name image and likeness um, event that had happened over the summer recently. Um, give a little context behind what happened there is the NCAA um, had a court case um, that's been this, this has been leading up to a court case over the past about 10 years, but uh, went to the Supreme Court for uh, college athletes being able to be paid for organizations being able to use their names and their images and their likeness. Uh, because before the NCAA prohibited that. So that wasn't even an option as for a college athlete. So that, the ruling came down, you know, that the NCAA could not make that, that argument or that rule that college athletes can't use their likeness uh, while they're in school to get paid. Um, so with that ruling, now the NCAA is uh, having to step back and allow players to go out and earn earn money for their likeness for the sports. Like I know I'm an I'm an OU Sooners fan, so like Spencer Rattler or um, you know some of our big name players, they can go out there and get paid now just for signing autographs, so to speak. Um, and to take a little bit deeper of a look about that event and the different types of um, influences that that could have happened on this event um, at the macro level, um, I would have to say is first you have your obviously you have the NCAA. Um, you have that's that that's their influence there with their argument. But then um, on the more on the legal side, you're going to have the Supreme Court. That's obviously the biggest influence there uh, on the event itself. Uh, the strategic communication aspect of the legal side is cut and dry, uh, which is this is this is how it needs to be obtained or needs to be upheld according to the our understanding of the law. Um, aside from that, though, there is also going to be some influences like culture. Um, you know, these these college athletes, they're embedded within a culture themselves. Um, and that culture is probably really tight knit. So, you know, when you have this argument going around that they need to be getting paid, that that's going to echo pretty loud across that entire culture. Um, but not only that, these these college athletes are embedded at the societal level for uh, for culture as well, because a lot of these players are looked up to on a national level that you know, they're on ESPN, their names and their images and likeness. They're in the media, um, which is another another part of our um influence there is the media you know these guys get a lot of coverage and it honestly might be the biggest one because if you didn't have the media to give the coverage of these guys uh these college athletes and give them the exposure to be a national name then the argument like there wouldn't be anybody going around trying to make money off of their name image and likeness so um if i honestly had to set these up i'd have to say you know you have your the media is probably the biggest influencer behind this entire event uh and what happened with it and how it's shaken up the college sports um, industry and how uh, moving forward. Now, moving into a new topic um, about my own personal use of media and strategic communication, um, give a few examples here uh, to start with social media for one. I, I'm not very active in my personal life with it, but however, for my job, I have to be. So a lot of times my strategic communication is about bringing value to products or the brand or both at the same time. Um, 
and trying to trying to make sure that relevancy is there. Uh, and you have to do that, you know, there has to be some pretty creative conversations had at my work to bring apart uh, to bring in how do we keep the brand relevant on social media, um, even whenever the person may not have a need for us at the time. So um, coming up with fun and unique ways to bring that message across so it's relevant to a lot of people um, is is what I do on a daily basis with social media. Um, also talking with clients uh, through email for one, um, that's another form of strategic communication that I use uh, quite frequently, um, in which case I have to be direct, uh, I have to be, all my answers have to be uh, a like a matter of fact and um, I have to come across as friendly still, you know, I can't come across as cold um, whenever I'm giving an answer, especially if I'm delivering maybe some bad news to a client. Um, that's just not a, you, the tactful way to do that is to to um, go ahead and type the email out, read the email out loud. So that way, you know, it makes sense. And then uh, if it's a super important email, have somebody proofread it um, just to make sure that it's coming across in the right manner, the right tone and the right message is coming across as well. Um, and then. I also use uh, texting quite a bit, uh, more so in my private life. Um, I do know one thing when it comes to my strategic communication. Um, I use a lot of exclamation points in my personal commun uh, communication because um, the it just it feels like I'm being more engaged with to myself to the other person that I, it shows that I'm interested in the conversation. Um, because I don't, to me, I don't know if, I, if I'm just the only one that feels this way, but periods seem a bit boring. You know, you have a period and then. You know, it just feels like that's the end. But an exclamation point, I don't know, it's exciting. But, uh, you know, those those are just a few examples that I have that I'm able to bring to the table of some media use and that how I use them strategically um, to not only get the message across, but it also tells a little bit uh, about who I am um, in that same process as well. Now, moving into the structure of an organization that I know of, um, I would have to definitely say a big one would be in my own head, um, Nike, you know, for instance, these guys are going to be part of your multi-divisional structure. Uh, you know, they're going to be set up in a, in a way, in a hierarchical way where you're going to have your top guy, you're going to have those underneath him, uh, and then they're going to be branched out, you know, and you're going to have your PR, you're going to have your marketing, you're going to have your financial people. Everybody's going to have their own expertise uh, when it comes to um what they're looking at, but they had to collaborate pretty efficiently in order to be able to uh, bring their message across. Whereas, you know, maybe on the other side of things, you have a company that I work for uh, called Boiling Point Media, and we're more of the networking type where, um, you know, we all work together um, to complete the job. Um, but our skill sets are a little bit more fluid. You know, we might be asked to do a little bit more than we're used to uh, or to figure things out. Um, we might be reporting on topics we've never reported on before. Um, so they're moving back, though, towards the uh, the Nike and the, the structure that they have. Um, I would definitely have to say that the multi-divisional structure that they would have to have set up would have to be at least pretty successful because of how big they are. Uh, they most likely have processes, communication processes written in place that have been established for years and that they probably keep updated with the times, you know, when social media became a, a communication uh, aspect in our lives. Uh, I guarantee you Nike was uh, one of the first ones to jump on board to be able to get, uh, get a grasp on it and create processes for it. 
because they have those individual divisions that are broken out that can specialize in those areas. Um, so those big brands like that are, they're pretty effective at that, uh, at, at what they do in the multi-divisional structure. Um, but I would have to say um, that's pretty subjective of me to say because you know some people might dislike the way nike communicates and that's just how that is um but i definitely want to bring them in as an example for that kind of structure just because i believe that monetary success has to have some kind of uh value when it comes to comparing it to um the success of communication um yeah now moving over to talk about reputation. Um, one brand I would like to talk about is Chick-fil-A. Uh, as an organization, they have had in their past a some organizational crises centered around communication. Um, however, if we were gonna analyze today, you know, they are a brand that I would feel to be, have the support of the public uh, based on their behavior. Uh, they, they most likely generally have a really well, um, People speak well about the brand uh, based on the food, uh, the quality of the food, the safety of the food, uh, and how they treat their employees and the customers. Um, so outside of that, though, they also have um, internal reputation because this is coming from an outsider standpoint, but it feels like, you know, Chick-fil-A employees are happy to be there. Uh, they they talk well about the place when I've ever talked to anybody about working there. You know, they have a smile on their face. Um, so that alone breeds some um, reputation about the brand itself when you're able to have happy employees or, um, be able to and be able to show people their happy employees. Um, they also have return of expectations from for their stakeholders. You know, it's every time I go to Chick-fil-A, you know, they're they have a long line. They're bringing in what I would assume to be a profit um, and, you know, stakeholders are going to be happy in that situation. Um, uh, same with the RO, ROI, um, you know, profit uh, is going to be part of those expectations. And then the uh, it's got a really strong competitive advantage over a lot of other uh, in, uh fast food places in in the industry uh, aimed towards chicken uh, solely, um, I would say, you know, you can compare it to McDonald's, but the quality alone and the menu selection probably gonna might might keep it out of that category. But the overall, if you look at who they're compared to would probably KFC, they have a much more reputable brand than that than than KFC does or churches. Um, so to me, Chick-fil-A is a really good brand to actually sit there and analyze a reputation for a positive uh, company. Uh, and just like they're a, they probably have a positive um, reputation, there's organizations that do not. And taking the time to analyze the reputations of the brand when it goes into analyzing the overall strategic communication uh, process of the brand is just as important. So uh, I really appreciate you guys listening to my uh, podcast and I hope you guys have a great rest, rest of your week.